0: Good to see all of you. I thought we'd uh, this morning just have a use the opportunity as there's baptisms just to look at the whole subject of you know, what is the gospel. Uh, it may be that you're here as a, a friend or a relative or someone who's supporting those who are baptized, and maybe you don't come to church very often, and so you sort of think, well, I've kind of caught snippets of what this is all about from. People's stories and from just things that have gone on this morning, but I thought it might be just helpful, uh, uh, well, not just for you, but actually for all of us to have a fresh look at what is it that the, the gospel is all about? Uh, what is it that being a Christian is all about? So I've, I've called this morning The Ruin, the Remedy, and the Result. Um, can you see what I did there? All we'll begin with R, right? So that's, that's yeah, I thought that was kind of impressive. Um, and um, so what i want to do is just try and very very quickly go through uh, the sort of the story uh, of what it is to be a christian now uh, just to begin with perhaps some familiar ground to most people here so if you most people who even wouldn't consider themselves christians or churchgoers or or people who know very much about the bible probably if i said what's the most famous Piece of scripture that most people uh, would be familiar with. Um, I think probably most people would say Psalm 23, uh, "The Lord is my shepherd." Right? Most people know that simply because we hear it a lot at funerals, or we hear it a lot in poems or songs or things. It's quite a or the Vicar of Dibley, you know, whatever. It's 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 a familiar uh, it's a familiar sort of verse, isn't it, from from the Bible? And it's you know it's a, a verse that a lot of people do have at their funerals and other sort of times when it, it's a moment to sort of pause on life and perhaps give thanks for life and sort of think about life a bit. And it's a, a wonderful sentiment, isn't it? It says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The image being used there is of God being the one who is really, uh, I suppose, in, in control or charge of our lives. And we're like sheep and and we're relying on him and submitting to him in order to Kind of guide us through life. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the the kind of the image that the psalmist is using. But the thing is, uh, life doesn't start that way. Um, and there's a kind of a very a very sort of uh, contrasting verse which we find in in Isaiah 53 verse six, uh, which actually says, again, still using the the image of uh, sheep and shepherd, but it says. Um, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So on one hand, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. On the other hand, you know, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. So we we actually have to understand that being, having the Lord as our shepherd, or having, uh, being able to sing that or read that with any sense of it being real, isn't how we're born. That, that's not how we're born. That's not how life develops. All of us, um, as we, we, we grow and, and we become older and we take responsibility in our lives and we begin to have our own opinions and thoughts and desires, not one of us naturally says, the first thing we first choice we make in life. Not one of us says, Do you know what? I'm gonna make the Lord my shepherd. It's just not what we do. But the Bible says what we do is actually this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We we have turned every one to his own way. There's something within each one of us that's actually deliberately chosen to live. Without God as our shepherd, we've chosen to go our own way to be our own shepherds. That's true of every human being that's ever lived and who ever will live. That's what the Bible says. We've all made that choice. Uh, We've all all deliberately um, made a decision to live without God in the world. And the Bible sometimes calls that, um, uh, uses the image in the Bible of, of, of the world being like the sea. Uh, and it's like the sea of turbulence, the world being very turbulent. is saying that all humanity is like at sea, lost at sea. There's loads of loads of opinions and decisions and choices and, and ways of living that mankind has embraced. But all of them are choices and turnings away from the Lord. We're, we're responsible um, for that choice. We're not accountable to God. We're not obedient to God. We just do our own thing. We don't belong to him, as it were, as we see it. We just see ourselves as as uh, masters of our own destiny. That's how uh, we're born. That's how we develop in life. And the Bible makes that very clear. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, everyone to his own way. And it kind of says there, everyone's kind of made his own way. Each of us, if, if you are a Christian here, uh, or if you're not, you, you will remember before you were a Christian You all had your own opinions, your own ideas, your own, you made your own mind up about things that you believed were true or didn't believe were true, ways you lived your life, things you chose to do or not to do. Each of us has kind of made our own philosophy of life. We've all kind of carved it out of of the things that we, we believe to be true or not true or of high value or low value to us. Each one has turned to his own way. Now, the thing about that is that our own way isn't a good way and uh, because we live in a very uh, individualistic society in the west we tend to think well no if i if i have the right to my own opinions i have the right to do what i want and we say as long as i don't hurt anyone that's that's right that's okay but the thing is god has said that there is there is a truth there is something There is something that the Lord would shepherd us into. But we've all decided, no, I want to do it my way, as it were. And what happens is that we we end up doing selfish things. We end up doing things that hurt ourselves and hurt others. No, we can do good things, and many people do amazing things. But at the heart of it, we are all also capable of doing things for which we're very ashamed. Probably... Every one of us, if we had projected up on the screen here thoughts that we've had, words that we've said, deeds that we've done, or things that we've thought of doing, we'd be utterly shocked at the thought, goodness me, all my innermost thoughts are now about to be projected up on this screen. There would be a mass exit for the doors. Why? Because something within us... Knows that even though we can do good things, at heart we're not good. We've gone to our own way. There's something within us that's not right. It's it's uh, it's actually uh, something within us is 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 fundamentally wrong. Is not good. The Bible says in in Ephesians chapter two, verse twelve. I'm trying to just show you what the Bible says. Now you, you can. Of course, you can disagree with it, but it's not. I'm not just giving you my opinions. I'm trying to just show you what Scripture says. And in Ephesians 2, verse 12, it says, At one time, we were separated from Christ. We were alienated from uh, the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So we were alienated from God, separated from Him. We didn't have hope and we without God in the world. Other places in the Bible refer to us as being like spiritually dead or blind. We were not able to see God. We were not able to understand God. We were not able to turn to God. Why? Because we turned to our own way. We were living life the way thing, the way we thought it ought to be led. It's a bit like, um, I haven't been to Rome, but I've seen pictures of the Colosseum, I guess most of us have seen pictures of the Colosseum, and we can see it as what once was once a magnificent building. You, you can see the glory that was once there, but it's been lost because it's fallen into ruin. It's in disrepair. There's things that have just dysfunction about it that's made it collapse to some degree, and you can kind of see how magnificent it would have been, but it isn't like that now. And that's a bit like mankind. There's something within us. When you look at a human being, when you look at a man or a woman, you actually can see something of the image of God there. You can see people are wonderful things. We are are all wonderful things. The fact that we've turned to our own way, the fact we do wrong things, doesn't change the fact that in God's eyes he still thinks we're wonderful. There's something wonderful about man as a created being. But something of that magnificence has been ruined it's been ruined because of the choices we've made that have made it fall into disrepair. We've become dysfunctional. We've not turned out the way God intended us to be. We're kind of like a magnificent ruin. And because of that, we, we, we live in such a way that hurts ourselves and hurts other people. People, when you ask them about um, do you believe in God or do you believe in Jesus, a lot of the time people will say, well, well, if there is a God, why are there so many bad things in the world? Why does God allow this? Why does God allow that? Well, the fact is most of the stuff that we look at in the world that is painful, tragic, awful, most of it actually has its origins in the way that man has behaved. We are responsible for things that then have we do something that then has effects. Even creation itself, because of man's uh, sinfulness and turning from God, even creation itself, the Bible says, is is now in a bondage to decay. And even when we see natural disasters and things that happen in the world, it's because the world is not functioning the way God made it to. Everything that God has made in the world is now a magnificent ruin. It's, It's fallen, it's dysfunctional, it's decaying. There's things within it that cannot rectify themselves. No matter how much mankind tries to work together to put everything right in the world, he will never be able to do it. Why? Because at heart, we are like sheep who've turned and gone our own way. And there are consequences to that. So there's a ruination that happens uh, because of the way um, we've lived. I watched on... um, And sometimes we we can think... um, yeah, but finding finding the meaning of life, finding fulfilment in life, finding success in life, that would rectify everything. And I remember watching uh, just just this, last, this week um, an interview with um, uh, Matt Damon, you know, who plays Jason Bourne, and he won an Oscar for some film he was in, and he when he was very young, and he was he said that uh, he remember he remembered sitting in his living room the evening after he'd won the Oscar uh, in his twenties and looking at it and and saying to himself. I realize this is not it. This is not what life is all about. And he said, I'm so glad I won that Oscar now because if I'd lived all my life longing and waiting for success and thinking if I achieve that, that will make me fulfilled. That will make life make sense. That will make my whole life fulfilled. He said, if I'd have lived like that, I'd have wasted my life chasing something that when I got it, I realized didn't do it for me. Now, I don't think he's a Christian in any way, but he's realized that, just choosing our own way, pursuing things that we think will fulfill us, pursuing things that we think are our right or the things that we need to make us happy, none of them, whenever we, whenever we finally catch them, if we do, although most of us spend life chasing after things we never get, but most of us, when we do get the things we've pursued, we actually realize, do you know what? Two or three days later, you think, well, what am I going to do now? It's like there's something when they say, well, it just hasn't done it. it just, I thought that would do it, and it just hasn't. Be it possessions, holidays, relationships, uh, personal fulfilment, achievement, money—all the things that we might uh, go after—none no, of it, none of it, makes anything in our lives make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't tick all the boxes. So that there's something. The point I'm trying to make is this: there's something fundamentally ruined about who we are. Now you might think, "Crikey, that's depressing." It is. It is it is utterly, totally, completely depressing. Now, the next part you'll be pleased to know is the remedy. But before the good news, I need to tell you some even worse news about the remedy. Is this. You, can, you and I can do absolutely nothing to change ourselves from the condition we're in. Not a thing. A dead person cannot bring themselves to life. A blind person cannot make themselves see. A lost sheep that is miles away from the shepherd cannot find its way home. There is something within us that is so lost we cannot find our way home. we're bled we 're blind, dead, completely in a far country and unable to find any way through. We 're not able to find our way back to god we 're not even able to sort ourselves out. In Romans seven verse 15, Paul is reflecting on the time before he became a Christian. Now, some Christians read this as if this is describing the Christian life. I don't believe that's what this passage means. I think it's Paul talking, he's reflecting before he became, well, he's reflecting on when he was figuring out there was there was a need for him to be right with God from the heart. He realized all his good works couldn't do it for him. And he thought, you know, there's something within me I'm grappling with. And, it, and just in one verse which sums up this chapter, Romans 7 verse 15, he says, for I do not understand my own actions. He's like, I don't, I don't get me. I don't get me. So he's saying, the things I want to do that I know are right, I don't do them. The things I want to say that I know are right, I don't do them. But what I actually find coming out of me are things that are awful, things that are just terrible, even though I know I shouldn't do them. They just happen. I can't stop myself. Every time I want to say or oh, do something good, I might do, but then something else even worse comes out of me. Who will rescue me from this body of death is what he says. And he says, "Thanks be to God there is an answer." Paul recognized and Paul was a very religious man. Paul had, the apostle Paul had spent all his life obedient to the law trying to do things to earn in some ways a, a kind of a human sense of I am a righteous person. I'm a person who does good. I live well in the world. There's nothing, nothing on me that God can point his finger at. And he realized, do you know what? There's something fundamentally wrong within me that I can't fix. And uh, in Galatians three, twenty-one, 21, we find Paul later writing uh, this verse. And he says, uh, if a law, I just find the exact, here we are. Galatians three twenty one. He says, uh, "If a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law." So what he's saying there is, if if there was something that you and I could do that would fix all the the stuff that's broken and ruined and all the stuff within us that we look at and think, yeah, that's not really good at all.' The stuff that the Bible calls sin, you know, our anger, our selfishness, our our unkindness, our our pride, our arrogance, um, all those things that are there. Paul's saying, if there was a law that I could keep, if there was something I could do, that if I did it, would deal with all of that stuff in my heart, if there was a law, then actually I would do it and I'd be fine. But the thing is, there isn't. There's nothing you or I can do that we say, right, I'm now going to live by this code of conduct. I'm now going to become a new person. Or I'm going to you know, do all these wonderful acts to sort of change myself. The reality is, we can't change ourselves. So you're saying, well, hang on a minute. You're saying there's a remedy, but now you're saying it doesn't work because we can't take it. It's out of reach. Well, it would be out of reach, but for one thing. That's the kindness of and love of god it would be without it would be out of our reach if god was not so kind that he wanted to come and help us and uh, this is where the good news starts to kick in in romans 5 and verse 6 and verse 8 it says this while we were still weak and some versions say while we were still Dead in our sins or sinful. I like that word weak. Is it saying, yeah, why we were still weak, unable to help ourselves, why we were still like that, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So Christ didn't look at us and say, Well, I will give my life for you if you put some effort in yourselves. If you if you try a bit harder, if you show me that at least there's something worth saving about you. If you try to reform your character, if you try to put a few more good things in the bank of good works so that I can look at you and think, well, all the pain I'm going to go through is worth it because they're trying trying their best. He didn't say that. He said, while we were still weak, while we were still sinful, while we were still at our worst with no improvement required on our behalf whatsoever, Christ made a decision to die for us in that condition. There's something in the heart of God that so loves us that even our ruined condition, even our lostness as sheep in a far country would motivate him as a shepherd to say, do you know what, I'm going to go and find those sheep even though they don't deserve it. I might as well just let them run off and do their own thing. No, I'm going to go and find them. They haven't shown willing. They don't show any kinds of remorse as sheep whatsoever. That's not the point. I love them. I love them probably one of the, the, the sec, perhaps the second most well-known verse in the Bible is John chapter 3, 16, which says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The initiation, the the, uh, the starting point in the remedy for our ruined condition is this. God loves you. Now, you may have had so many people in your life say to you, I don't love you, I hate you. Perhaps you've never had anybody say to you, I love you. Perhaps you don't love yourself. Perhaps there's all sorts of dysfunctions around love and feeling valued, feeling loved, feeling cared for, feeling someone values you enough to care for you at their own cost. Perhaps there's all kinds of dysfunctions about that. Let me tell you this, whatever anybody else has said to you or thinks about you in this world, you might not have a friend in the world. God so loved you that he sent Jesus. He loves you. He loves you even in all your ruined condition, no matter how much damage you've done to other people, no matter how much damage you've done to yourself, no matter how ashamed you are of the lostness of your condition, the turning to your own way, the, 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 the fruit of however you've lived your life, no matter how awful it is, no matter, no matter how much you think, you know, what have I done with my life? I've, been, I've hurt so many people, I've hurt myself. I'm just, I'm just not worth saving. God would say to you, oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. And I, I haven't sent my son to condemn you. I've sent my son to save you. Christ is the medicine that heals us. Now, the, the, the Bible is a bit like the prescription. Tells you the truth. but There's no point eating the pages of the Bible. It, it, in, in, in its literal sense, it is, you know, it's a physical book. But it's telling you, about medicine. It's telling you about a remedy. It's telling us that Christ the person can actually do something about your situation and my situation. And we do need, you might think, well, couldn't he just come and give us some advice? And So we just kind of, couldn't he just run some remedial therapy groups? Couldn't he, couldn't he just kind of point us in the right direction? Couldn't he just come as our counselor? The Bible says he's a wonderful counselor. Could could Christ not just come and, you know, a bit like Gandhi, sort of stride majestically around the world, giving people lots of good advice? And many people do falsely say, oh, Jesus was a great teacher, great teacher, helped humanity. Well, actually, that's such a silly thing to say, because Jesus fundamentally, in what he taught, said this, there's no hope for you. That's actually what he said. There's no hope for you unless you believe in me. And what's more, I'm the only way of salvation. Nobody else. And people say, oh, he's a great teacher. Well, he, he shut himself into a very exclusive opinion. that he was the way of salvation. Everything else was false. So the remedy is Christ himself, not just what the Bible tells us about him. You see, the thing is, we're, we're all guilty for the things we've done wrong. Imagine what it's like if you watch the news uh, or you read in the paper about someone who's committed some really you know bad thing and somehow justice hasn't been done they've got they've got away with it or the sentence was not appropriate or there wasn't enough evidence but you know or there was something went wrong as a technicality and they got off how many of us feel very that that's not just Do you, uh, am I the only one? Do you feel this uh, sense of injustice if someone kind of, you know, you think, well, that, 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 that's not right. That's not right. Now, where does that sense of justice come from? Well, it comes from God because we're made in his image. And going back to the Colosseum idea, there's something within us that actually says, no, if, if someone does something wrong, there is justice. Ju- justice has to be done. There's something fair about that. There's something right about that. There's something that within our humanity that says, no, justice... Uh, justice must be done you don 't have to be a Christian to believe in justice it 's something within us that says no this is this is how life uh, should be now God therefore is just when he says to us, I made you, I gave you life, I gave you the world to to govern human history yourselves. I gave you everything in the world, but each one of you has turned to his own way, and you, 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 you've rejected me, you've sinned against me, you've turned from me, you've rebelled against me. Therefore, because I am the judge, justice has to be done. And the Bible says that the soul that sins, it shall die. The Bible says that um, it's appointed for man wants to die, and then face the judgment. What that means is this. Each one of us, when we die, we will stand before Christ and give account for how we've lived in reference to him. He's the one who's given us life. Now, Whether we believe in God or not doesn't change the fact that if it is true what I'm telling you, he is still there. Even if we don't think he is. I mean, I've never been to uh, New Zealand, but it is there. I'm reliably informed. It's there. It doesn't change the fact, because I have no personal experience of it, that it's there. And many of us think, well, if I don't believe God, he's, if believe in God, then he's not there. No, no, really. Just think what you're saying. If he is there, and if the Bible is true, which I believe with all my heart it is, and the, the, the Lord has given us such a clear way of salvation... And has and shown us the truth, although even this, see if you're a Christian today, even the faith that you had to believe what I'm saying was a gift of God. Even that, it's just how lost we are. I mean, becoming a Christian doesn't, even if I could present the most incredible justification for the Christian message, it would do nothing to bring anybody to Christ. The only thing that can do it is God's Holy Spirit awakening your heart to suddenly think, do you know what? I was blind, now I see. I was dead, now I'm alive. This, I, I, I can now see Jesus is the Savior. But we are accountable to him. And the last thing is, is then the result. So the remedy is Christ. How, how does this work then? What's the result? Well, in John chapter 1 and verse 12, we have this wonderful promise uh, it says to as many as received him gave he the power to be children of God. Let me just find out. I'm just going to look it in the wrong place. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, how does this work? Well, let, well, let me give you a quick illustration here. I just have to borrow a chair. Hannah was worried then in case I was going to ask her to do something, but no, you got away with that, Hannah. You got away with that. Now, that chair. Um, I might say, yeah, I believe that chair could take my weight, increasing as it is, but could take my weight. I I might believe technically that that chair can take my weight. But that doesn't actually... that, That actually isn't complete faith, is it? That's just theoretical faith. For me to actually... For me to actually show that I really mean that, that I really do deep down believe that that chair can take my weight, I have to actually sit on it and not hold on to other things just in case it gives way or have some other supports around. You know, I, I can you know, do what I like on the chair. You know, I don't need to worry about the chair's capability of holding my weight. Why? Because I've got complete confidence that that chair is able to take my weight. Now that's a picture of what it is to have faith in Christ. See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It says, to as many as we've just read, to to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, in other words, put their confidence in him, sit on the chair, stand on the chair, jump up and down, whatever, to as many as did receive him, gave he the right to become children of God. Becoming a Christian isn't a great big ritual of ceremonies and there isn't like 24 weeks of, you know, learning great big chunks of the, of Leviticus all about goats and things before you have to, you know, you might qualify or get a certificate at the end. You know, you, you can become a Christian this morning simply by saying, do you know what? I can see that Jesus is the Savior. I can see that He's the Savior. I can see He's the Son of God. I can see that that he loves me, that he died for me. And I want to put my confidence in him today that he and he alone is all I need to forgive my sin, to cleanse me from everything I've ever done wrong, and to reunite me with God the Father so that I can truly say the Lord is my shepherd. Now how that works is very simply is what... um, uh, Martin Luther referred to as the divine exchange. And it's very simple. When Jesus died on the cross and he was nailed on the cross, he had no sin. He had he'd done nothing wrong. He hadn't turned away from God. He had nothing to be punished for. He would nothing that he would stand before his father in heaven before and say, I am guilty. Nothing, not one thing. So when he was unjustly crucified, at that moment, all of the wrong things That you and I have done, all of the turning away that we have done, each one to our own way, all of our own way, as it were, was taken and put onto Him. He became responsible for it. He took our sin. He became the one who uh, was responsible before God for our sin. And God the just poured all of His righteous wrath on Jesus Christ. So the things that you and I have done wrong, Jesus was punished for. In that moment, Christ's righteousness, his, his, his godliness, his goodness, the fact that there wasn't anything to be punished for, he was completely near to God, that, that inherent righteousness in Christ was transferred onto you and me. So when we become a Christian, we're simply, by, by sitting on the chair, we're saying, Lord, I give you my sin. I I trust you that your death was sufficient, that all the wrong things I've ever done can be forgiven because you died for me. And I'm trusting you that all your righteousness, all the things that commend, commend you to God are now mine by faith. I receive your sacrifice. I receive your gift of righteousness. I am now right with the Father by faith. You don't have to do anything. In that moment, everything you've ever done wrong is forgiven, and everything Christ ever did right is applied to your life. So that the, you can then kind of even, you could leave this building this morning, whatever kind of a life you've had, it might be a life you think is, you know, very good, or it might be a life you think is very bad, whatever, whatever your life You and I know we've turned to our own way. We can leave this building this morning thinking, I now know I am restored to relationship with the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus simply because I have received by faith what Christ has done for me. And I can now say, instead of um, each one has turned to our own way, we can now say the Lord is my shepherd. Do you know, living living in this uh, life Living this life is not easy. Anyone find life easy? It's not easy, is it, at all? Because we're not designed to live it on our own. We're not designed to navigate this world without God. That's not how, that's not how he made us. He made us to live life with a shepherd. He made us to live life with someone overseeing us, looking after us, caring for us, guiding us. So, so that it may be from this day on, you can even say those familiar that familiar verse to your, to yourself now. From this day, saying, "The Lord is my shepherd," the Lord is my shepherd. That could happen this morning, so easily, so easily, simply by you and I giving our lives to Christ in response to what He's done for us. So when uh, the folk were baptized this morning, they're they're really simply saying. Um, it's like a, a, a grave. They're saying, we're, we're being buried with Christ. We're now united in his death. We're now joined to him. We, we've given ourselves to him. We've received him. They're saying that divine exchange has taken place, and they're now new creations. They're now living in the good of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, um, there may be numbers of you here this morning, and you think to yourself, well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on that journey um, but I'm not. I'm not quite there yet. Well, let me just finish with this in, in Isaiah 53, just to to sort of square the circle. Remember, we read that uh, that verse, and it said we'd all um, like sheep have turned away. Well, the rest of that verse says this: All we like sheep have gone astray; we've turned everyone to his own way. But then it finishes the verse this this way: It says, "And the Lord has laid on." him. Him the iniquity of us all. What that's saying is even though we might have gone our own way, the Lord put all the wrongdoing we've done onto Christ so that we can actually walk free this morning, knowing His forgiveness, knowing His salvation, knowing His love for us. So, would you like to just stand with me? And uh, I'd just like to pray for us this morning. Uh, Very simply, um, I just want. If we could just sort of close our eyes and just uh, be in a a moment of just sort of you and God, just just you and God. Now I'm fairly sure that there'll be a number of people here this morning, and you know, at the moment you're kind of thinking you're thinking to yourself, "Well, I know I'm not back with the shepherd. I, I know." Jesus isn't my saviour, but something within me just makes me know that what I've been hearing this morning is true. And you may not know everything, you may never have opened a Bible, you may not understand everything, but you know what? We can get saved on a scrap of truth, and then we go on a journey of discovery. All, right? All we need to really simply do is say, Jesus, I believe you are the saviour. And I'm putting my full confidence in the fact that you died for me and I receive you this morning as my saviour. It's a very, very, very simple thing that the, the most uneducated person can do and the greatest philosopher in the world can marvel at. It's the same for all of us. We're all on that same level playing field. Just us and God. Strip everything else away. It's just us and God. So if you think this morning, I would like to really talk with someone, pray with someone a bit more about that. I would just I just feel that yeah, Christ is knocking, as it were, at the door of my heart. I know I've got to get right with God. I know I've as it were I want to come home. If that's you, just while everyone else's eyes are shut, just put your hand up and then just pop it down again, just so I can see. How many people? Thank you. There's One lady there. Anyone else? Just put your hand up and then put it down again, just so I can see who you are. Anyone else? Just, just pop your hand up and put it down again. So I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or anything like that. I just want to make sure that I can see h- who to talk to afterwards. Some of you might be just wrestling, thinking, "I don't. I, don't know, I just feel it's a big deal." Yeah, it is a big deal. So is death. That's a pretty big deal. Life is a big deal. Life's a big deal, but Jesus is bigger. He's bigger, right? He can catch you. He can hold you. He can carry all your dysfunction. There's nothing broken in your life Christ can't fix. Nothing. He's the wonderful Savior. So anyone else? I just want to give a couple more moments. Just quickly, pop your hand up. Pop it back down again, just so I can see. Well, Father, I thank you that you are at work among us this morning and you're desiring to bring people to know you who don't know you so that they can say, you know what, the Lord is my shepherd. And I pray, Lord, for any that want to just make that response, those who've indicated and those who haven't. Lord, I pray... Holy Spirit, bring life this morning. Bring life this morning. Only you can do that, Holy Spirit. That's a work of God. Pray that you just take the words I've used and you'd you'd cause there to be life now springing up in people's hearts. Let salvation come to this place this morning, Lord. Let salvation come to this place this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.